order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Uh, We're back from a brief hiatus, and we have a whole series of new and hopefully exciting and entertaining shows for you. We're going to start the new season off with a bang. We're going to be talking about The Rock. Now, not Alcatraz, not that rock. We're talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, If you don't know who he is, you've been living under a rock. And let's just talk about him for a second. He's an interesting character. So, I mean, he starts off as a uh, football player in college. I don't think, if memory serves me, that he makes it to the NFL. I was going to say NHL because hockey is all I think about, but NFL. And he ultimately becomes a wrestler for the now WWE and arguably one of the biggest names in professional wrestling. But from professional wrestling, unlike a lot of wrestlers, he springboards into this massive Hollywood acting career and now has become a household name. He's been in every movie that you could possibly think of. And I'm not saying that the movies are good, but he's in every movie possible. And it actually, to me personally, it gets quite frustrating because every time I turn around, I've got the, the, the rock on the Jungle Cruise. I've got the rock with no leg jumping out of a skyscraper. Got the rock going really fast in a car that, that, you know, it just, there's too much rock. Okay, too much rock. But the rock doesn't just stop with wrestling and with, um, obviously, his acting. Nope, the rock has to get back into football. And how does he do it? Well, he becomes an owner of the XFL. Now, if you're old enough, you'll remember the XFL. XFL was an alternative football league uh, that was around, let's see, let's get the exact date for you because um, I remember it being in the, I want to say, late 80s. And it had started off, um, I might be wrong, though. It was, no, actually, I I am wrong. I'm thinking of the other one. This is the one that was in the early 2000s, right? The original XFL. Um, Early 2001, it was a joint venture between NBC and guess who? You're never going to get it. The WWF right, which has now become the WWE because, just for those of you who don't know, World Wrestling Federation was sued back in the 90s, early 2000s, because the World Wildlife Federation said that they own the rights to that trademark WWF. And we're going to be talking about trademarks on today's show. Um, So it's all applicable. I'll I'll, I'll roll it all together. You'll, You'll get it in a minute. But going back to the original XFL in 2001, joint venture between WWF. Who owns the WWF? Vince McMahon. Who helped The Rock get his start? Vince McMahon. Crazy, isn't it? How it all rolls around. So anyway, um, the XFL has had this tumultuous history. Uh, It had started uh, years before this reboot in 2001, um, I want to say, let's just see, 
looks like it could have been as early as, as 2018. But in any event, so they tried to reboot this XFL in 2001 with a joint venture between the WWF and NBC, which, of course, Vince McMahon uh, you know, was, was leading. And they really wanted to be a, a real competitor of the NFL, the National Football League. Now, they had all these, these things, though, that just like an over-the-top wrestling promoter, you know, you would expect. There was a, a lot of sports entertainment gimmicks, very similar to what the WWE does in professional wrestling. And, and ultimately, Vince McMahon had to admit that it was just a colossal failure, that his, his reboot of the XFL just, just didn't make it. Um, they ended up canceling all the seasons because of COVID, and ultimately, the entire thing just fell apart. However, it kind of started this idea, I guess, in The Rock's head, right? Because you got to admit it, I'm not the biggest fan of, of The Rock just because I'm oversaturated with The Rock, but, but he's not a stupid guy, that's for sure. So he talks about purchasing the failed XFL for $15 million right before the, um, uh, the sale of, of the XFL was going to be listed. It's a long story about the financial history of it, but long story short is that The Rock sees this failing XFL. Uh, Vince McMahon says it's no good. It's, it's a loss. And ultimately, The Rock, with some former football buddies and some other people, they come in and they buy the XFL. And when they buy the XFL, there's all this talk about who owns the trademarks for the XFL and what does The Rock have to do to get it. Well, that's not what we're going to talk about today because that's another discussion. But suffice it to say that as I sit here today, The Rock has an ownership interest in and is really leading the charge for this new XFL football league. And he plans on doing things that are different than what Vince McMahon has done. Now, as part of that, hey, let's do things different, what does that include? Well, he's looking at doing an NFT platform. And, and you know, for those of you who don't know, NFTs are not, well, the technical term is a non-fungible token. And we'll do a show just about NFTs, but let's just say it's a piece of digital artwork that um, is recorded on a blockchain and that when you purchase an NFT, only, you know, you're the only owner. And, and that um, ownership of that NFT, depending upon how many NFTs, how many digital images um, the XFL would release, would, would you know, decide how many owners there are and, and you have ownership rights to this piece of digital artwork and you can display it and you can sell it. And, and, and there's all kinds of legalities that stem from NFTs, but, but that's like two shows. So we're not going to touch on NFTs today, but this is, this is how they're trying to be different than what Vince McMahon did. So they want an NFT platform. They want to have a metaverse experience. They're going to build a streaming platform and, um, they want to coin the the XFL logo as an NFT, um, and to that end, 
they, the the XFL, has filed a series of trademarks. And some of them are specifically for NFTs. Now, they also want to change the way that people view sports, predominantly, um, you know, you, you think of a football player, right? And, and you kind of have this vision in your head of what a football player looks like. Well, the XFL wants to change that. They want to create a different feel, a different vibe for their football program. And so as part of that, they're putting together this new campaign that according to to um, the XFL itself, quote, you know, I'll, I'll quote this, reveals a bold brand identity signaling a new vision for the forward-thinking league. Now, basically, this is about inclusion. So the XFL wants to look at ways to increase inclusion and to end racism and other isms. And so obviously it's, it's an attempt to try to um, create an environment at this XFL for participants and viewers um, that, that promises more inclusivity. Obviously inclusivity is good for everybody, especially the XFL, because the more people who feel included, the more people will feel compelled to spend, to watch, uh, and to support the XFL. But that's just my cynical take on it. Um, I mean, look, the, I, arguably The Rock is doing a good thing. He's creating this, this inclusivity campaign for his new XFL football league. Great. And what he's done is he's come up with this logo. And this is the focus of this podcast. I know we've taken a roundabout way to get here, but this is it. So I want you to picture this, and I'm going to put it up on social media. I'm going to put it up on on Instagram later on and Facebook, and I'm going to ask you guys to look at it and, and to vote on what you think. But the XFL logo is an X that is... If you would, you know, you take the X where it crosses in the middle, take out the connector in the middle. So it's an X with the kind of a space where you could actually like draw a line down the middle of the intersecting lines. So again, if you, if you can't visualize this, just take a look on the internet. And, and like I said, we're going to post it on social media later. So, um, you guys can vote on it. I'm curious to see what you think. Well, anyway, in this um logo in this new campaign they've got this x that's split in to two pieces and it says in between it together okay so you've got part of an x then you got another part of an x and in the middle it says together now that that's pretty cool right looks like a good thing what could go wrong what could go wrong? The Rock has it all figured out. It's going to be amazing. Well, all of a sudden, you got a fight between football and football. And, and I'm not talking about the NFL. I'm talking about soccer or football, as they call it in Europe. For those of you who are familiar with soccer, you might know the name Megan Rapino. 
Um, she's an outspoken character. She's made a name for herself, not only for um, being a good soccer player, but for some of, of her political views and her outspoken uh, um, antics or I mean, maybe antics is not the word. She's outspoken. Okay, and she's she's done a lot of things to garner attention outside of of soccer. Uh, And some of it, you know, maybe people have taken issue with it. Some of it is very positive. Well, long story short, Rapino and her wife had started a company and a brand that was called Together. Now, it's T-O-G-E-T-H. X R and together is a brand that focuses on trying to change the way that women uh, in general, especially in sports are, are looked at and, and uh, treated. So it's also an inclusivity sort of program, if you will, um, but it's aimed at trying to create a different atmosphere for female athletes. But the issue here is the logo. Okay, so now let's go back. XFL, it's an open X. In the middle, it says together, closed X. Okay, so there's the XFLs. And then you've got Megan Rapino's which is Together, the brand, T-O-G-E-T-H-X-R. And that X is also two pieces that are split in the middle by a tiny amount. So again, the lines don't intersect. One half is white, one half is black. That's the Together logo. Now, on... The XFLs, they've got the word together in between. And Rapino had uh, responded to a tweet that the XFL had put up about this and uh, basically said, that's great, thanks a lot, now we're going to be sending you a cease and desist letter because we believe you violated our trademark. This is, this is a clear case of trademark infringement. We're going to sue you because... What you've done is 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 wrong. It violates our rights and it it dilutes our trademark and confuses people. Okay. All right. So now we've got to look into this a little bit. So Rapino's company is remember, together's the brand. Rapino's company is AXM LLC. And they filed a trademark for this together brand. Um, a while ago, back in, I want to say, um, it was before 2021, because I believe it was, um, maybe it was filed and approved within that same year. But basically, we're talking about a logo that is, this is how it's described in the trademark registry, okay? And, and let, me just, let me just backtrack for a second. So when you file a trademark, you file an application, and you have to identify what mark, what type of mark you're filing. Are you filing a word mark? And that is exactly as it's described, a word. Are you filing a logo or some stylized design? 
Okay, that's something different than a word mark. So, you know, if I own a company, you know, Scuttlebutt, um, and I trademark Scuttlebutt, that doesn't mean that I've trademarked the Scuttlebutt logo. That means I've trademarked the name. So I might need to trademark the logo too, because what if a company were to create a logo that looks nearly identical to mine, but I've only filed for the word mark? Okay, so normally, and at least what, what I recommend, is if you're going to file a trademark, you make sure that you're covered both on the word mark and in a logo. And then separately, you have to file your, your trademark within certain classes or categories because it's possible for somebody to own a trademark and then have the class selected be online entertainment and somebody else owns a trademark for the same word or similar logo, but it's in a different class. And it's for the selling of apparel. And that could be permissible. So you have to make sure that, you know, trademark, it looks easy, right? You go online and you fill out an application. But if you don't know what you're doing, you're A, going to have your trademark rejected. And it's not cheap to file them. And then when it gets rejected or you get an office action, now you've got to go and 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 figure out, you know, do I... Um, refile but what do i do and and every time you refile you're spending money so anyway trademark it's not as easy as, as it thinks you really need an attorney to do it all right but getting back to uh, rapino's trademark so according to the trademark office she has filed or they filed in and this is in the past a stylized x the mark consists of a stylized letter X. That is the description on the trademark filing. And it's identified as the following classes. Apparel, namely shirts, t-shirts, tops, blouses, pants, slacks, trousers, leggings, etc. Um, it's, it's a clothing brand. And um, as far as the identification, it says promoting the goods or services of others through the issuance of personal and product endorsements and personal appearances advertising, marketing. So there's another class. They've also registered entertainment services, namely television shows featuring celebrities, athletes, musicians, etc. Another class. So they filed the trademark and they filed the word together and then they filed the stylized X. And the X is, as again, you'll see when we post it, one half of the X is, is black, one half is white, and there is a space between the two what would normally be intersecting lines. Now, the argument is that the XFL's use of a split X and the word together between it somehow violates the trademark rights of rapinos together and the argument is that it is substantially similar and that it could lead to confusion between the two brands now that is really 
the heart of a trademark dispute. When one company or trademark holder believes that somebody else is using a mark that is so similar that it is likely to cause confusion, they can send a cease and desist letter, which basically says to this other company, stop or we're going to sue you. And if you feel strongly enough about the difference between the two marks or that somehow you're entitled to use that version that you've created, then it ends up in a lawsuit. And let's talk about for a second, without getting too technical, what is a court going to look at in a lawsuit for a trademark dispute where the argument is likelihood of confusion? So, number one, after showing a valid trademark, which clearly can be done by Rapinos together, the plaintiff, who would be Rapino, needs to show that the defendant is using a mark that is the same or confusingly similar to her mark, such that consumers may believe that the defendant's products or services are the same as the plaintiff's products or services, or that the defendant is sponsored, affiliated, or connected to the plaintiff. Okay, so basically, that's what the plaintiff has to show. That's the plaintiff's burden of proof. Is this going to cause confusion? Well, who decides that? How do you determine whether or not it's it's likely to cause confusion? Isn't that a very subjective question? Because what if you think it's going to be confusing and I don't? Well, that's where the court comes in. So there's typically eight factors that a court is going to look at to determine whether or not there is likelihood of confusion when looking at a trademark dispute. So here, are the, here they are. Here's the big eight. Number one, the similarity in impression of the two marks, mainly the appearance, the meaning, and its phonetic similarity, if it's a word. So they're going to look at both marks, and they're going to compare them. How similar are they? So you've got Rapino's X versus The Rock's X. Okay, next, the similarity of the goods or services. So now they're going to look at what together the company is doing versus the XFL's inclusivity program. How similar are both of those programs? Then they look at the strength of the mark. Now, this is a... Uh, a legal analysis where they look to determine uh, any issues with ownership rights of the mark. Then they look for evidence of actual confusion. So, for example, uh, in a brand that might have been established, the plaintiff might be able to show that uh, a percentage of customers have accidentally clicked on um, the defendant's website thinking that it was, in fact, the plaintiff's. All right, so that's another way. Next, the defendant's intent. What is the, the intent of the defendant? Are they simply trying to register a mark that is, in fact, similar so that they can divert business to themselves? Or is this a completely unique program and it just so happens that the plaintiff believes the marks are similar? Next, they look at the physical proximity of goods and services in the marketplace. Now, in this case, it's not going to really apply because Rapinos Together versus The Rocks XFL, 
they're going to be nationwide, probably globally um, acknowledged. So the proximity issue is really not going to be helpful here because it's going to be a, a global acknowledgement or or recognition of these brands. Then they also look at the consumer's likely degree of care in purchasing the goods and services. So in other words, how much care does a consumer have to employ when buying these two goods? You know, am I buying Lysol or am I buying Glysol and the cans look the same? Which one am I going to pick up? That's that's where, you know, that analysis would come in. But this is a different story because these are two separate things, at least arguably. And then finally, the likelihood that the product lines will be expanded. Okay, so the first five factors that we talked about are examined in trademark infringement lawsuits. And the most important factor is the similarity of the, well, the most important factors, I should say, similarity of the marks and the similarity of the goods and services to which the marks are applied. Okay, so that's really what is going to be at issue here in this XFL, you know, together dispute. So I would imagine that the XFL is going to challenge, depending upon, you know, how much time, money, and effort they want to put into fighting Rapino. But I would imagine they're going to challenge this idea of the cease and desist. I think they're going to say that it's too different and that there is no infringement and that there is no confusion nor is there you know, uh, similarity enough that con- consumers are going to be confused over the two products. And you know, it's, it's a really interesting discussion because if you look at the logos, you can understand the similarity in a sense. You can understand what Rapino is, is saying because it's similar, but at the same time, I think it's, I think it's too different, right? If you compare the XFL's logo with together, the X itself is completely different in its stylization. Rapino's is white and black and split in the middle and it has a rounded edge it's a softer look meanwhile the xfl looks like it is stamped in in iron it is harder edges it's more um like the the terminator font if you've ever seen the 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 terminator the movie uh and it is split down the middle the x is all one color it's all white so uh, by splitting the X like that, it allows them to then, in their inclusivity um, brand identity, split those two pieces and stick the word together in it. Now, I think that it's completely different than Rapinos. Her trademark is for together the word with an X and then separately the trademark for the logo which I've already described and explained how it's different enough, I think, from the XFLs. So she doesn't own the rights to the word together. You can't trademark a a common word. You can't trademark together, okay? Nobody, nobody owns the trademark to the word together. But by changing the spelling of it, obviously, then that word mark belongs to her. So they're going to look at 
all of this as a whole, and they're going to say, is there likelihood of confusion? I'm going to argue that it is different enough that there is no confusion. I'm also going to argue that the products or services that are being promoted are different enough. And I think that the XFL has a decent chance of winning this trademark dispute. So now, will it ever get to a full-blown lawsuit? Who knows? You know, The Rock seems to have his hands full with the XFL to begin with, so he could very easily look at this and his, his advisors could tell him, hey, it's not worth it to fight over this. You're going to be tied up for a year or so, maybe even more. You're going to be spending $100,000 on legal fees. Wouldn't your time and money and all your energy be best served um, by putting it into building the XFL? And that's where I think you know it could possibly go. But if it were to go to full-blown litigation and to a point where it's not going to be settled, I think, you know, if I was going to take sides here, I think I think The Rock pulls this out. I think The Rock body slams this whole dispute, and I think he walks away with being able to use the XFL logo. I really don't see how they are that similar. But uh, we're going to post it on social media later today, and I want you guys to look at it, and you tell me. Are these uh, so similar that a consumer is going to be confused between the brands? Do you think that there's trademark infringement? I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. So uh, we'll put that quiz up or that poll, I should say, and, and see where it goes. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. It was good to be back after, uh, after a long break. And this is an interesting topic that we'll be following. Um, there's a bunch of other trademark news that I want to get to, but I think we're going to do it in a separate show. Uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting, believe it or not, right? Some of you may be huge fans of the WWE or professional wrestling in general, and some of you may loathe it, but regardless of your feelings towards it, there is a tremendous amount of trademark uh, law that comes out of the professional wrestling world, and it's really kind of fascinating. I mean, we could talk about things um, the Ultimate Warrior and, and how he had to change his name, his legal name to Warrior in order to maintain rights to use the character. Um, fascinating stuff. We've got uh, Mick Foley, who recently has filed uh, for, for a trademark over uh, the name Cactus Jack, which was a, a, a wrestling uh, persona that he used during his, his time as an active wrestler. There's just a ton of interesting things that come out of professional wrestling and sports in general when it comes to intellectual property. So... All right, before I go on and on and I say that, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about things and I end up talking about them anyway, I'm going to let you go. That's going to be the end of today's episode. Make sure you tune into the next one. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. You'll be notified when new episodes come out. All right, that's going to do it. I will see you next time. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.